today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Surely He has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And by His stripes we are healed. How could He have known what He was writing at that point? You and I, we look this side of the cross. And so we see Isaiah's words actually looking through the events of the cross. And so we understand what he was saying at this point. But put yourself in the Old Testament prophet's shoes for a moment. All of the Old Testament speaks of the Lord Jesus. In fact, the Lord used prophets like Isaiah and David to foretell of the coming promised Messiah who would save God's people from their sins. In today's message, Pastor David unpacks the prophetic words of the ancients who testified to the future earthly ministry of Jesus. Every word these righteous men wrote down was fulfilled to the letter. Though the Old Testament prophets could not have fully known the impact of what they were writing, we have the blessing of understanding. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message, Prophesied Grace, from the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. in our study of 1 Peter, and I ask you, if you would, to go ahead and turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, and though Bunyan's book is called Pilgrim's Progress, the series that we're looking at in 1 Peter is Pilgrim's Process, the fact that we are in process in our walk in the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 1, now we've covered uh, several verses, I think we've come up through verse 9 of chapter 1 thus far, but I want to back up as I usually do, because I want to get you into the context of what we're speaking. So we're going to back up to verse 3 of chapter 1 of 1 Peter. Peter writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away and it's reserved in heaven for you. You who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, that the genuineness of your faith, though it's tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what and what matter of time the Spirit of Christ, who is in them, was indicating when he testified beforehand 
the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us they were ministering these things, which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. I want you to go back with me to to verse verse 10. In verse 10 he says, Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. First of all, what is this salvation that that Peter is talking to us about? We see it up in verse 5, and verse 5 says that we are kept by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter again speaks about it down in verse 9. He says that we will receive the end of our faith the salvation of our souls. This is the salvation he speaks of here that the prophets have inquired and searched of carefully. It's a salvation that pardons us from the very wrath of God. It's Paul that tells us in 1 Thessalonians that we're not appointed unto wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's that same salvation that was revealed to us through the preaching of the gospel. Paul tells us again in in Ephesians chapter 1 this time, he says, in him, in Jesus, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. It's that common salvation that Jude spoke of. We recently went through the book of Jude, and Jude wrote at the very beginning of how he desired to write to them in in reference to their common salvation, all the, I believe, the joys, the, the, the benefits, the blessings, the access of that common salvation that we all have in Christ. But he quickly changed, and he said, but I found it necessary to write to you, warning you about the false teachers that were coming into the fellowship. He wanted to speak about that that common salvation. It's also our eternal salvation. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 5, verse 9, shares with us how Jesus, having been perfected, became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Eternal salvation. And on and on we could go through the Bible. It's full of declarations about our salvation. There's no doubt about it. Not a salvation that's physical and and temporary to save us out of a, a temporary problem, but it's a salvation that's spiritual. It's a salvation that's eternal, that will go for eternity. And thus we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. We're, we're then put in that purposed plan of God in our lives to receive what Peter here tells us, a salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. The end of our faith, the salvation of our souls. And we spoke about that a little bit last week, that right now we live in hope, but then it'll be total, it'll be complete, it'll be, uh, uh, again, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be there at that point. Right now we, we live in hope, don't we? The fact is, is we pray, we we live by faith that this word is true. But then it will be evident for all. That's the salvation that the prophets were, were curious about. They wrote about it, and yet they remained curious in reference to it. They didn't understand, they, they couldn't understand it 
completely. It wasn't enough to simply receive the word of God from the Holy Spirit. Peter tells us that these men, these prophets, they pondered the very thing that they wrote and what these words meant. He says that the prophets have inquired and searched carefully. You see, the Holy Spirit gave them the words to write. But I don't believe that they understood all that they wrote. I believe that as the Holy Spirit led these men, again, they, they, they began to carefully examine, they studied all that it meant. And the two words translated in the King James Version, also the New King James Version, that says they inquired and searched, it gives the meaning that it was a diligent search. I mean, they, they really got into it, both for the meaning of what it was and also the timing of it. The words, they have that uh, connotation of being to search for, to to trace out, to explore it. it they became the GSI of uh, words of prophecy. No, not the CSI. That's crime scene investigators. They became the, the GSI, the grace source investigators. Maybe a better word would be to say that they were the treasure hunters of God's word. Adam Clark, who is a, a commentator, he writes in reference to First Peter, and again, I've shared this with you before, you know, commentators, they're not special taters at all, they're just commentators, but they, they sometimes give us a, a good insight into the word. Well, Adam Clark writes in his commentary on First Peter, he says, The prophets plainly saw that the grace which was to come under the Messiah's kingdom was vastly superior to anything that had ever been exhibited under the law. And in consequence, they made all possible inquiry and searched as after grains of gold hidden among sand or compacted with ore. And he says, for such is the meaning of the original words. They did this in order to ascertain the time and the signs of that time in which this wondrous display of God's love and mercy to man was to take place. I love that. They, they searched as after grains of gold hidden among sand. Now, some of you have been to the beach before. Did you guys get to go to the beach this last week, Leo? You guys got to go there in San Diego. Now, can you imagine while you were on the beach if someone came by and says, listen, we found out that there's gold, grains of gold, hidden among these grains of sand. I think you guys would have been digging in, wouldn't you? I think all of us would have been digging in. And that's the idea, that's the concept of what these prophets did, that they began searching into the Word. Not only the words that God gave them, but they also looked into the words that had been previously given unto other prophets. They desired to know what it all meant. Think about this for a minute. How could Isaiah have been able to understand the full impact of the words that the Holy Spirit was giving him to write? How in the world could he, some 800 years prior to the crucifixion of Christ, have understood the full meaning of the words that he wrote in chapter 53 when he wrote, Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. How could he have known what he was writing at that point? You and I, we look this side of the cross. And so we see Isaiah's words actually looking through the events of the cross, and so we understand what he was saying at this point. 
But put yourself in the Old Testament prophet's shoes for a moment. How could David have understood the fullness of the words that he wrote in Psalm 22? When David wrote, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? He writes a little later, he says, but I am a worm and no man, a reproach to men and despised by the people. All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip and they shake their head saying, he trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. A little bit later in 22, he writes, I'm poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted within me. My strength is dried up like a pot sheared and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death for dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. Here we are, 2,000 years past the cross. David was a 1,000 years before the cross. We understand the prophetic implications and the impact of what he's writing. But how could David have known that? How could he have? known those things. The cruelty of the crucifixion hadn't even been invented at David's time, nor even in Isaiah's time. As a matter of fact, it was invented by the Egyptians. The Romans took it and they they refined it. But back in David's time, they knew nothing about crucifixion, and yet the Holy Spirit led him to write all of my bones are out of joint, the very attitude and aspect of what would happen to an individual hanging on the cross. The Holy Spirit led David to write, they pierced my hands and my feet. You and I have the privilege of both the Old Testament and the New Testament. We see the prophecy fulfilled. From his viewpoint on this side of Calvary, Peter tells us still in verse 10, he says that these men prophesied of the grace that would come to you, And when he speaks about God's grace coming to you, he's speaking about you and me primarily as, as Gentiles. Why in the world would grace come to you? You're a Gentile. Because these men, these Old Testament prophets... They're writing from the understand of Jewish understanding and the declaration of the law. They write these words of God's grace, of God's mercy, and here they were in the midst of the time of the law. And so for them, I I feel they wanted to see how this grace and, and mercy was going to work out. Some of you have come out of church traditions and denominations that were, well, in in essence, they were based in the law. You understand exactly what I mean by that. It was, it was all about what you had to do, how much you had to give, maybe what you had to wear, what you had to give, and on and on it would go. There were laws and rules and regulations, and if you're going to be a Christian, you've got to fit into those boundaries. You've got to fit into that, that box. You've got to fit according to the law. But 
beloved, true Christianity is based on the work of God and His grace toward men. Not only was grace a new idea, but when these Old Testament Jewish men, proud and, and, and separated from the world, they began to write about a salvation available to the Gentiles, they wanted to understand how that could be. You're not one of us. How could God love you? But God's message is clear, actually in Old Testament and in New Testament. His everlasting gospel, the book of Revelations tells us, must be preached to all those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, to every tribe, to every tongue, and every people. It's not just Jewish. It's for the world. The message is to the world. God's heart is wide. His plan all along was to send forth a root from the stem of Jesse, a branch from the house of David, the lion from the tribe of Judah. And the Gentiles will rejoice with his people. In him, the Gentiles will find hope. All of that's Old Testament. But that was God's plan all along. That Israel was to, yes, as his chosen nation, but they were called to be a light among the Gentiles. Not to be closed off from it all. All of these things the prophets declared, and yet they didn't know when this was to come about. Today, so often we hear men speak about that the Old Testament, well, the Old Testament is, is a book of law and, and, and judgment. And the New Testament, though, that's the book of grace and mercy. The problem is, is you're going to find in the Old Testament an abundance of God's mercy. It's grace all throughout it. Let's see, do you think Israel ever failed in what they were supposed to be doing? All the time. And it was God's grace. They weren't able to keep the law. It was God's grace. It was God's mercy. We can go all the way back to the garden, can't we? Adam and Eve fell. God said, okay, wipe that out. Let's start again. They said he covered their sin. He took care of their sin, didn't he? So you see, God's grace and God's mercy is also old Testament. But you know what? In the New Testament, there's an abundance of places where we see God's judgment and God's wrath also. So you see, all of those things need to work continually. It's not just at one time God worked in judgment and wrath and now he works in grace and mercy. No, the holiness and the righteousness of God remains the same. Old Testament and New Testament. The grace and the mercy of God remains the same. Old Testament and New Testament. Prophets were given this message. But they also understood it wasn't for their time. They were proclaimers of the message of God's future fulfillment. Look at at verse 12 with me, if you would. To them, to the prophets, it was revealed. It was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things which angels desire to look into. So in the past, it was through the prophets of old. But now, to today's gospel message comes through those that God has appointed to proclaim that gospel message. Today, the message comes to us through those who preach or teach or declare the gospel to us. And it comes to us in a variety of forms. 
Do you remember that in the New Testament uh, the, who the first evangelists were? In the New Testament, they, their, their message was, we bring you good tidings of great joy. It was angels, wasn't it? Those were the first evangelists meeting there on the hillside with those shepherds just outside of Bethlehem. Oh, and they said, don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy that will be to who? All people. It's a wide open invitation that God has. That's good news, beloved. Especially if you're a Gentile and you're not a Jew. It's good news. That very word, good tidings of great joy, the word good tidings, it's the Greek word, euangelizo. Euangelizo. I had to practice that multiple times to be able to have that just flow off my tongue like that. What it means is good news. We also translate it as gospel. And we also get our word evangel from all of that. We evangelize through the sharing of the good news of faith in Jesus Christ. We're among churches of, of many denominations who are evangelical. We proclaim the good news. We believe that it's important to share the truth and the fact of the hope that's found through Jesus Christ, our only hope of salvation, and we proclaim that. But it wasn't just the angelic proclamation. You know what? Jesus himself proclaims the truth and the good news. Again, the writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 1, God, who at various times in diverse or various ways, he spoke to us in times past by, spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. And he has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. In these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. Early on, uh, as a young couple, Todd and I were in a Bible study, and I can remember to this day the uh, teacher of that little home Bible study. His name was Ray, and we were going through this passage, and he brought something that has always stuck with me. He says that the syntax of this verse here, and the way the sentence is formed together, brings out the idea and the thought that God is now speaking to us actually in the language of the Son. He's speaking to us in that language. Some of you here can speak Spanish, your Spanish heritage and uh, background. You speak it very fluently. I know like about this much of it. I don't speak the language. No, no habla, okay? I, I don't, uh, I don't understand it very well. But those who know it can speak Together and they understand it speaks from the heart that way. In the same way, when we come to Christ, we learn the language of the Son and we can communicate with Him. He communicates with us. We can fully understand because He speaks to our heart. We can then speak and we can respond to him in that way. So together we have the angels that declared the message. We have the, the, the son himself, the testimony of Jesus' life, his words, his actions. But we also have the writings of the apostles. Clearly the, the, the gospel writings that we have before us, these first four books in our New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of those, they are the clearest record of the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ, and they are the most direct proclamation of the gospel that we have. 
Pastor David Landry has been taking us verse by verse through the book of 1 Peter, reminding us through this letter that persecution comes to every follower of Jesus. The encouragement to keep strong in faith in those times of trial is also a challenge, though. Instead of complaining, turn to Jesus. Instead of shrinking from the hard questions, embrace them with truth. Walking in faith and with hope isn't an easy task, but Jesus has promised to walk with us and give us the words we need to speak. We're so glad you tuned in today to The Open Word, and we hope you're leaving us today feeling stronger in your faith. Before we close our time with you today, though, Pastor David would like to ask you to consider partnering with us here at The Open Word. You know I love being able to share the Word of God with you through this radio ministry. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. But as with any ministry, there are expenses. I know God is blessing His children through The Open Word, and God has given us a vision to see this ministry expand and reach even further. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to theopenword.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Your gift, large or small, is greatly appreciated for the kingdom of God. Thanks, Pastor David, and thank you for being a part of our time here today. Pastor David will return soon to continue studying 1 Peter right here on The Open Word.